Liran Hirschkorn here, your host of the e-commerce mindset podcast. I just finished interviewing Danny McMillan, Danny McMillan, the host of the seller sessions, uh, podcast. And, um, He's done over 700 podcast episodes, which is pretty amazing. Um, in the episode, I asked him some insights from the episodes, some um, diving into the A9 algorithm he's done recently. We talk about um, just what's happening in the in the market in general, both in the U.S. and insights from him into what's happening um, in Europe as well. And I also asked him what was the um, his favorite interview uh, of the last year. So uh, I think you'll really enjoy this conversation with um, Danny McMillan of Seller Sessions. The podcast is sponsored by Incrementum Digital. Incrementum Digital is my uh, marketing agency focused on helping uh, brands. Really, we're a growth engine for brands. Um, on the Amazon Marketplace, we're also doing uh, Walmart ads. We're helping sellers with uh, advertising management, full brand management, creative work like listings and uh, images and A-plus content. Um, as well as Amazon DSP and Walmart ads. Uh, the podcast is also sponsored by 8fig.co, the number 8fig.co, uh, which is a uh, uh, option for continuous uh, capital. Um, so 8fig has supply chain, supply chain planning tools along with the capital behind it to help fund your um, inventory, marketing needs, um, etc. Uh, highly recommend you check out 8fig.co if you're looking for growth capital for your business. Enjoy this episode with Danny McMillan's of Seller Sessions. Okay, so my next guest really needs no introduction. Um, I think once I once I introduce him, you'll know the name. He's the host of the Seller Sessions podcast, uh, runs branded by women, Seller Poll, uh, co-founder of uh, Databrill, an uh, ad management uh, agency. And uh, you you probably know by now, Danny McMillan, welcome to the show. Excited to have you on. Thank you, Liren. Thank you very much. Um, awesome. So um, let's just, um, you know, kind of, you know, you've been talking about... Um, a nine recently. Yeah. Um, let's just start there. Um, what have you What have you seen, sort of maybe, or what insights do you have as far as the Amazon algorithm, and I don't know, maybe maybe changes that it has uh, it has gone through, you know, uh, over the last I don't know six months or so. Yeah. So it, that, I mean, it's it's quite broad. Probably the best way to. Uh, put it forward was uh, we done a, a show on A10. Of course, A10 doesn't exist. So we've done a round table and I'm like you, Lee Ram, we get curious. And I went down the rabbit hole trying to look for this information on A10. And then I stumbled across a series of papers, which I have given out to people in the community as well. So Amazon.science and the joy of ranking, which is a, uh, video which was recorded in 2016 with Doria Sonica, I think the pronunciation is, from the A9 team. And so what I did was I spent a few weeks to break it down. I spoke to a few engineers as well. Because it's, obviously, it's an algorithm. It's very, very complex. So right. what I tried to do was is to try and break it down into layman's terms that people in the community could understand. There's a lot to scratch the surface on. I've got 200 slides on it, for instance. And, but that was my first goal with it. So the biggest thing, and like, and you know, your stuff, Lee Ren, and like when I shared some information with you, you said like, yeah, our guys have the same feeling, you know, like mm -hmm. they're getting the similar observations and stuff. 
Right. I think the way I try to treat it as a project is like all I'm doing is taking um, science papers and applying the research to break it down a bit better for the everyday seller to understand, you know. And so for me, it's like a, a tool that we can all use in the community to move the needle forward. So it depends on you who you spoke to, but some people like it blew their mind because they didn't know how A9 works and effectively watching a 23 minute video and going through those science papers literally tells you the overview at 10,000 feet, how it actually works, you know, and people are like, right, if you know what the hunger score is and you understand what that means and you understand with relation to positive labels and negative labels and understand that these are all done based on training sets. So when Amazon pushes an update on .com and everything shuffles, mm -hmm. that's only on .com because those training sets are, are done in, in isolation by teams on each of those platforms. So it's not a worldwide push. It's still the same algorithm. But when you see these shifts and these changes, they're very much independent and measured and quite often they're rolled back as well because you see that, you know, you've got all of these, um, all of these uh, like newer listings without reviews at the top of the page that don't make sense because obviously they're not really meant to be there because they haven't earned their place. Um, so some of the biggest takeaways from it is that you look at conversion on a continuum rather than a static object, right? So we we know that conversions play a massive, massive role. Mm -hmm. Most people, but not all, will know that a huge amount of the uh, signals are add to cart. People also know that we, if you do add to cart, which isn't against terms of service, and it's not in the verbiage of Amazon's terms of service, it's still manipulation, right? But add to cart will get you to the bottom of page one without sales, but then you need sales to bind with keywords to get you further up the page. So add to cart plays a big role. And going back to my point of this nonsense with A10, you don't just throw away a, an algorithm that you've been developing for a, a decade or so to jump to A10. The algorithm doesn't move as fast as what people may think. I mean, also my understanding of that the, the, the name A9 came from the word algorithm having nine letters. That's right. right. And in <laughs> so one of my, um, yeah, so so this is it. So what I normally do is with part of the presentation, obviously I can't show the slides, I'll send you the GIF. So uh, there was a Chinese seller that when I did the A10 show, he sent me uh, a GIF, which I've added to the slides, which is A123456789, A9. And he said he got that through Google history, gone to the A9.com website and found it in the source code. And that spells out a like right. algorithm stroke to A9. But I'll send you the GIF and you'll see what I mean by it. Um, the other part of it is as well is even if you look at some of the words that quoted or some of the, the, the literature that's quoted, small improvements in relevance can positively impact millions of shoppers. Now, if that's the case, you're not going to suddenly throw A9 out the window and move to A10. Because if it's only smooth improvements and small adjustments, you've got to think of the size of the market. And the catastrophe that could happen if you if you screw up. And that's why they need to roll back as well. Now, in the joy of, of, of ranking, they, they were talking, they was using Harry Potter as an example. And what it did, it reminded me of the honeymoon period. Because the, the thing is, for, for things like the hunger score to work and for them to have training uh, behavioral information, it's hard to start from zero. 
so they do have a, a process when they roll back, when they're testing new things, is that they have day zero, day seven, day 14. And they joked in the videos, like, you know, when it's not working, when the business teams contact you, i.e. when Harry Potter dropped and it couldn't be found in the search engines. Obviously, right. there was a lot of pressure on to find out why, you know, they made a joke of the situation. But right. then this probably explains some of the part with the honeymoon period that we have. You know, the, the discussions are often talk about with the observations that we see. And then if you elongate that with the, the, the starting at day zero and they still to this day have problems is like if they're not careful, their search results pages can look like a flea market. Hence why, you know, they have to treat um, fashion differently. Right. Because mm -hmm. let's just say uh, a customer goes on to Amazon and their aspiration is to wear these. It says the lady, right? The female shopper goes on, looks at these two or $3,000 dresses, but maybe not be able to afford them. But they still buy female products. They might buy bra sets and knickers and stuff like that, which is a lower monetary value, right? Mm -hmm. Or they might get a, a dress that looks very, very similar to the seven grand dress that they've watched on the TV. But Amazon's got the Amazon Basics version. Right. And so what you've got to be careful of, and this is why they make to make these adjustments, is that the search results page could look like a flea market rather than being aspirational. But it still needs to serve the correct information that is relevant. But if you are viewing one thing for your behavior, because the ranking is driven by behaviors on the platform. Right. But if you're if you're looking at one thing and buying things others it becomes confusing and then if you start to try and put them knickers and them bras up there with three thousand dollar dress not you would because of the search term but i'm just giving extreme examples right it can look really messy so they really have to look at the signals and the behaviors post search with inside of that category as well to make more informed decisions right um and you know as as you're talking about this i'm thinking that the the future of search may just be that customized results right based based on the behavior if the person has never bought you know a hundred dollar plus fashion item well yes. may, maybe amazon won't show them on the page you know hmm. uh any anything anything over that range but you know may, maybe that's maybe that's the future right where each of us sort of has some kind of differences in what we're seeing not just based on location of inventory but also based on our specific shopping behavior and and you know what we're buying Indeed. And you know what else? If you go to Amazon.science and you go and look at the, the stories and the news on there, so much around voice, mm. huge amount of content around voice, what they're investing in, what their innovations are, what company there's bought. So I definitely think voice is going to play a massive part and it changes the game for you and I, right? Like when you yep. look at uh, the way the contextual elements and the, uh, and the, the, the physical elements that make up a, a person searching, going to the keyboard, using the hands, they're, they're, they're typing, they're not speaking. Like, so the dialect and everything, everything we do will suddenly shift because we don't talk the way that we type. Right. So the way that we're going to express things in terms of contextual elements of keywords and how long will these um, long tails be? And how are they going to calculate these long tails? Because they use big grams, biograms, I can't remember the terminology, but single words, two words, three words, four. And they explain how difficult it is to deal with five or six word strings to reach statistical significance. Mm -hmm. So that changes when someone says, Amazon, can you look up such and such, such and such? And I want to buy blah, 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 blah. Because we just ramble rather than saying, go to right. Amazon, 
buy soap right. or, you know, women's soap, men's soap or vegan soap, right? Very simple because we're actually doing two actions. We're thinking and then we're typing it out on the keyboard. When you're running around and you're busy and your mum or you're, you know, you're at home and et cetera, you, your mind is split because you're doing other things, but you go Amazon, you shout out, right? So to the Echo or whatever, and then you're explaining what you want to buy, but you won't necessarily be sufficient in the words that you use. So this is going to throw up uh, new problems for us as well as marketers and our teams that are engineers and stuff like that. It's going to be very interesting coming into the future, how we handle that on the PPC level. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, I, I wasn't even aware of this website, uh, Amazon.science. Yes. Um, so I'm, I'm looking at it now as as we speak. Um, do you recommend people go check this out and like any specific areas here on, you know, for those for those that want to nerd out on, on sort of the algorithm? Yeah, let me just I'm going to pull it up as well. Uh, science where and, and, and so what what you've what you've learned sort of you know so so we learned about add to carts and conversions there's been a lot of talk this year about backlinks mm-hmm. um and social signals my 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 feeling is that if amazon really wants to to incentivize and drive you know that sort of benefit of the outside traffic that um that it would make sense that now social signals and external backlinks, uh, yeah. backlinks for for non nerds, uh, is a is a link from a website that points to your Amazon listing, uh, yeah. are now maybe playing a bigger role in terms of you know ranking on Amazon. Yeah, I mean, I I can't remember. I shouldn't use his name, but let's just say I know someone that who does a lot of backlink work. He sold one of his Amazon businesses about 18 months ago before the whole aggregator thing really kind of took shape. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, a lot of, you know, I'm not advising people to do it, but here's the thing, right? If you've got kind of a new website and you start going onto Fiverr and buying angel links and right. pepper, peppered your website with that, you're going to get put in the sandbox and hard to return, you're right? Right. But with Amazon, it's, it's a beast, right? But so so people will fire backlinks to the listing, which will help with their organic ranking in Google. You know, hundreds, if not thousands, of backlinks, and they won't get pulled underwater because it's it's Amazon. So it's a dirty the dirty link structure from that. So there are people that are doing that. I'm not saying they're devising that, but you could actually decide to go the white hat route and bring in a, a company that really looks to diagnose the best links possible and do build backlinks to your listings. If your listings are that precious on Amazon and you're not deciding to do your own website and you're happy to spend $500 to $1,000 a month to get in one or two backlinks that takes seven to nine months to rank on those keywords, then do it. That's the cleanest right. way of doing it. No right. one can stop I mean, you from doing it. You know. I mean, I would say that the most white hat version of doing that would be, you know, PR, right? Getting exactly. re- re- reaching out to to blogs and yeah. reaching out cool. to websites. earned media. Yeah. yeah. So you go earned, around the route of earned media. Yeah. Earned media. Um, yes. So so that that would be the cleanest way. But yeah, you know, when, when I had um, my insurance online insurance agency back in 2011, 2012 mm-hmm. or time, I actually had two websites, one that I kept totally white hat and one that I you know, played around with a little bit more with, uh, with, uh, towing, towing the line, um, on the algorithm. One of the things I did was utilize a, uh, private blog network. 
which yeah. which was essentially like what was kind of called like three-way links right one one website linked to another that that second website linked to a third website the third website linked back to the first website and so yeah. there was there wasn't necessarily a two-way link which is called which is you know mm-hmm. i link to you you link to me which kind of looks bad in, in google's eyes yeah. um so anyway we, we we were doing these things but i you know i i have a feeling that yeah the social signals and backlinks is is something that's um you know that that's becoming more more important we see this with you know obviously amazon um coming out with the you know referral bonus um mm-hmm to you know incentivize you to to really drive you know outside traffic which seems to be kind of the the word of the year you know or the, or the yeah. buzzword um around outside traffic so would you say um you know conversion as a continuum mm. um meaning um meaning meaning ongoing conversions versus a micro credits oh. yeah so a micro credit this goes back to i i when it's all about, you know, when we talk about optimizing a listing, right? So it's good, good quality copy that you write in, and people say, well, you put X amount of keywords in the title, depend on the amount of character spaces, depend on what platform that you're viewing yep. the listing back through. But but another way to look at it as well is once you learn about A9 and, and uh, negative and positive labels, so this is where the hunger score comes into play as well. Is that yeah, you, the, you mentioned this thing called, is it? Yeah, it's called the hunger score. It's quite a complex way of understanding, but let's just say, call it FOMO. I, the, okay. the most uh, layman terms I can put into, the hunger score is searching out with inside of a category, the, and it gets hungrier and hungrier. So I look yeah. at it as when, we, when Amazon wants to know just a, as much about why you clicked versus why you didn't and what was unseen. And I think what the way that the hunger score works is like it's panning for gold. So it's like, okay, this is the positive snickle over here. The, the, the customer's behavior is spent here. But with the hunger score, it's like it's searching out to find if they've missed anything. Then we need to come back and report on that side. So if we go into negative and positive labels, we could attribute this. Uh, I'm going to try not confuse it by two algorithms. You've got the organic A9 algorithm and then obviously the PPC has its own algorithm as well right like in terms of ad placement algorithm and everything else so when we send traffic using ppc to a listing and we get a lot of traffic bounce off that gets attributed under the negative label rather than the positive label when that happens and your conversion rate is low then your listing is going to be affected organically. It's going to drop because the traffic's coming in and nothing's happening, right? right? Or, or, or the negative effect of it is happening. So it goes back to when you're looking at optimizing the listing, we look at it as title, bullet points, backend keywords, etc. Within the bullet points, you know, you when you sell the benefits and da-da-da. But you should also look at it as like, once you understand a bit more about A9, then you can look at it from a different perspective as well. You look at uh, the micro credits, yeah? So the micro credits is this continuum, uh, conversion on the continuum, which means how long were they on the page? Did they engage? Did they scroll up and down? Did they yeah. add it to cart? When they added the cart, did they go on to, to, to buy it that day or is it still sitting in the cart for another day? You know, all of those is that when we start to think about it, we want to be able to create an, a, a richer environment of engagement for people and not just look at it from mesmerizing copy 
right? We've got to look about it is like, are we entertaining these people to retain them on the page? Because this part, this comes part of a series of micro credits and those micro credits compared against other people's listings. So you might have a lot of activity on your page without the conversion, but it was added to cart, which is going to give you more parity versus someone going to a page and bouncing straight off. Right. So when we look at a nuclear level, yeah. Yeah. So time on page, scrolling up and down. Yeah. Uh, all, all, all these are credits, they're micro credits. Yeah. Which, if engagement. Which, 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 which should point to the fact that, you know, if you have video, chances mm. are somebody's going to be spending more time on the page. Of if course. you have yeah. A plus content, chances are there's more, like you said, media to, to look at where somebody will be spending more time on the page. And these are the things you kind of need to, uh, these are the things you, you kind of need to need to think about. Um, I want to yeah. jump. I want to jump to getting some insights in terms of what's happening in the in the European market. Um, obviously, yeah. you're, you're there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in the U.S. market this year, you know, we 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 both have seen cost per click going up on, on the on the ad side. Um, yeah. Things getting more competitive to some extent. Sellers seeing a, a downtrend. Um, I would say, kind of like maybe april may june at least like some some kind of downtrend um in terms of search volume around products the the u.s Mm. at least like opening up things getting very competitive um what what's experience like in europe um for 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 sellers Um, it's very similar it's pretty similar what what you got to look at is you take the brandon young approach and you don't come off platform and you launch all in the us and you're very targeted and focused or you go multi-market but i always say to people you need ubiquitous products to do multi-market because a lot of people they bring them over they'll bring their own their their full range of products but i always use two ex- extreme examples right so never do this but an umbrella is ubiquitous because it rains in every country right so you're safe to sell that in Germany, France, Italy, Spain, etc. Mm-hmm. It will have a, a divide in terms of volume going up and down, but it's a ubiquitous product, so it sells there. But then if you were selling taco holders, in the US you have Taco Tuesday, but there is no search volume for taco holders in Germany because culturally it's irrelevant because it doesn't have a massive Mexican population and it's not something that the Germans eat, and it's the same right. with the UK. So really first, you've got to work out, is your products ubiquitous enough to move in, into those markets? And then can you compete in those markets? The beauty about the US market versus all the other markets is that it's got such a wealth of niches. Uh, niches are, are, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm trying to use the, what's the, what, how do we say? It? Niches is the US niche. Yeah. So in the UK, yeah, we yes. say niche. In the US, you say niches. Sorry. Yes. Right. Niches. So. So, so with that in mind, and when you think then you've got long tail, right? Long tail barely exists in Europe unless you're in Germany, UK, and it's nowhere near the volume of long tail. So let's just say you look at the brand analytics report, which I always say to people, anything outside the brand analytics report, on the, on the balance of probability, it's 30 searches a day or less. So you should always work in report. This is where people get caught out is that they'll run their tools in the US. Don't wash them against the brand analytics report. Has 200 uh, variants on next keywords, then goes and tries to do the same in the UK. And there's like four search terms in the brand analytics report. And it's Mm -hmm. nowhere near. Do you see what I mean? Because there's a difference between search volume, which the tools report, 
and the tools don't just do search volume they do lots of other stuff which makes them highly relevant so i'll make it very clear i'm not dissing the companies by any stretch but the safest way to look at demand mm -hmm. for keywords i would always say is the brand analytics report but the right. other tools are great for finding different interpretations of those words like they may be using different words to mean the same thing and so you can draw up great insights um so get back around to the point selling europe is great if you've got ubiquitous products um be aware that there's very little in long tail it's very quick to do go for each country and do the brand analytics uh using google translate and find out whether it's going to work for that territory or not so that is the positive on that side go on yeah, no. So, so yeah. So, you know, you, it, I'm thinking that, you know, certain niches are, are just so competitive in the U S market that, you know, yeah. unless you have the capital, you know, maybe, maybe you should consider going, going to Europe. Um, but uh, you know, I Indeed. guess the point is, yeah, go, go look at brand analytics and yeah. see what kind of opportunities you have there. Um, yes. and what, and what the landscape, uh, looks like. Are, are you, are you seeing that, you know, there's kind of a, transition happening um i don't know i see this this year and, and over the next year that the smallest i guess of sellers are kind of getting squeezed out of the market definitely in, in, in a lot of ways yeah yeah i think you know it, we're, we're now in we're into another word is the hunger games is that you it's survival to fitness now on amazon let's be real um yep. it's not 2015 no more what you could get away with back then and the money you need and the barrier to entry is it's all different now you've got to be you have need a good amount of money in the bank 10 15k minimum because you've got to allow for mistakes minimum 10 or 15k just to think about blinking and getting going i believe i know that people can do it for 500 bucks and everything else i'm just trying to be realistic if you want to get a good quality product made you want to launch that and you want to allow for mistakes and you want cash flow to reorder and stuff like that and to deal with current climate of shipping and the expensive costs and etc that is happening today the cost of ppc that's rising as well that's not to put people off but you know Ren, if there's a moat built around it and you that you're one of the fittest of survival then you will win yeah unfortunately absolutely. business is binary like that you win or you lose yeah i mean I, i'm seeing kind of two things happen one i happen to think that's a generous uh number from you i, I think the number is higher it's very generous yeah it's very generous. Yeah. <laughs> um I, I think i think it's i think it's higher and um yeah unfortunately you know uh unfortunately or fortunately it's just the current the, the state of the market um that you know you kind of need to uh I, I see a few things happening one um uh, i think you need um capital and um you know, a lot of niches you could need to go in and, and do launches and yeah, have enough inventory and, you know, going out of stock is like a, a killer and, you know, yeah, ha having enough stock, uh, having enough money for that reorder when you haven't sold through your stock yet. Um, yeah. and you know, being, being aggressive and driving sales velocity, uh, yeah. er early on, um, you know, and, the other thing, so I am seeing in some sense, I'm even seeing sellers that, you know, are doing 60, 70, 80,000 a month that are like, you know, PPC costs have gone up. Like, uh, if this continues, I'm, I'm going to need to go back to a job. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not making, I'm not making a, a profit in, I'm not making a profit in my, in my business, uh, or their niche, you know, has, you know, they're, 
it's gotten saturated, very saturated. And again, cost per click is up. They're they're not getting the they're not seeing the conversion rate. Um, and you know, I see that happening. The other interesting thing that I'm seeing too is that the landscape of exiting is also a little bit different in, in the sense that while you have so many aggregators uh, buying the, I think the aggregators have figured out that I don't want to buy a million dollar brand anymore. Uh, it's too much. It's too much work. Uh, yeah. I can buy a brand that does five million a year in sales, and I, I, you know, I can have a, I can, if I'm going to have a dedicated resource on my team, a brand manager run run a brand with a team, with an mm-hmm. ad manager and, and and a team. Why give them a million dollar brand? I give them a five million dollar brand. Um, yeah. And I'm seeing, you know, I reached out to an aggregator this week and said, hey, one of my clients, they're they're looking to sell their brand. They do about a million in revenue, 250,000 EBITDA. And they're mm. fairly new. And they're like, no, we're only taking anything with 500,000 EBITDA, you know? Mm. Um, and I see that as a trend too. Now, of course, yeah. you can go on Empire Flippers and you'll be able to find a buyer for that brand. But I see the the future of the aggregators will not be buying million dollar brands I, I don't think unless, unless it unless it to find brands selling you know that are doing three four five million dollars but uh, it comes to how much yeah. they've raised so that company that you spoke to said no 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 500 EBITDA it might be because they've raised a, a war chest whereas they've somebody's raised, raised yes. 10 million correct yeah. yes they've raised they've raised a good amount of money but you know it's, it seems like a lot of the a lot of the aggregators. I, I guess you could put the aggregators in, in tiers. You know, tier one, tier mm. two, tier three. The tier yeah. one and, and two players have raised. Yes, like you said, a war chest, and they, there may be some tier three, which means ultimately that million dollar brand is not going to have the same exit multiple. You know, yes. and and the multiples will are sort of rising and will continue to to rise probably for the the more in sales that you have in revenue and EBITDA that you have and. On the lower end, pro- probably not. But I'm seeing these kind of these kind of um, you know trends trends um, you know happening in the in the market. And you know I do see you know I had a I had a this this the same seller come to me like, hey, things are not working with PPC. And I'm like, look, you're you have 150 dollar product. Your competition is selling it for 120. Your conversion rate went down from you know six percent to four percent. Hmm. Uh, and cost per click has gone up so you know don't shoot the messenger but you know this is kind of the 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 reality and and this is this is this is seller selling eighty five thousand dollars a month that Hmm. i see getting kind of you know getting kind of squeezed out um indeed i think anyone below 100k will have depending on their margins well it'll be a bit of a struggle for them um it's that kind of trying to get into that safety net because it's so cash intensive and yes. if you're trying to live off the business as well, it's very, very difficult. Uh, he, I think that seller, he or she, is right on that cusp, like that eye yes. line where they can't really afford, you know, you don't want their PPC uh, ACOS in, in, to be related to them paying their bills. Yeah. And that sometimes is what it is. So they're always on a knife's edge. Once they clear that path, that 120, 130, 140, 150, they can breathe again because they can ab- absorb they have an absorption, yes. point of, you know, uh, taking on some of these costs. But I understand it. It is a it very much a struggle. And like you said, is that 
it's most one of the most common things. I, I was at uh, an event in uh, Estonia just a couple of weeks ago, and a lady came up to me, and we started having a chat, and she says, my conversion rate is poor, da, da, da. and I said, what is the average price on the page for your set keywords? Oh, they're this, that, and the other. And I went, okay, let's do a search. We've done a search and said, this is completely, like, much higher, you know, in terms mm -hmm. of what you're charging. Oh, yeah, and I said, that's your problem. And I said, can you sell it at that price? She said, no. I said, and that's what you're going to struggle with. You need to go back and see if you can reduce your manufacturing costs to try and compete because they're a low-volume buyer. It's not right. able got the, the power to, to manufacture at high velocity in order to bring the unit price down. But that's quite often what happens. We've seen this all the time, right? People get frustrated. They bring a product to market. The market price drops. Amazon people are like buyers are still price sensitive and you're not Apple and you're not Nike and you're not Adidas right. and you're not whoever these big brands are to go. That's okay. I can suffer this because mine's 22 bucks and the average price on the page is 12 bucks. It's not going to wash. Yeah. You're not going to win, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think that when you get to a certain point in the business, you can weather the storm of, you know, these increased shipping costs, which, you know, yeah. I, I don't think they're going to go down to maybe what they were, but, you know, likely, you know, they'll, they'll come down somewhat at, at some point. And you, you know, if you have enough profits in the business, you can kind of weather the storm yeah. versus, um, you know, versus, you know, not being able to. So, you know, what does this kind of mean for new sellers coming to the marketplaces? You really need to come with, you know, enough capital to get going until you really build up reviews, build up sales, build up um, the, the ability to, you know, to absorb, yeah, some, some of these costs of um you know increased ppc costs and uh, increased uh shipping costs um and you know you're gonna have to be somewhat more you know i think innovative in in the products you know bringing a me too product that into into the us you know um i think it's tough i think you have to to really think about your product uh your packaging you know everything i think just has to be elevated in order for you to you know have a have a better chance for success and you know, on the positive side of that, we're seeing sellers also do, you know, really, really, really well this year. And, and you know, there's a ton of opportunity in e-commerce. Um, these are just some, you know, trends I'm seeing with smaller sellers on, on low budgets who really cannot, um, you know, can't really kind of, kind of, kind of sustain. I wanted to see, it's kind of similar in Europe. Sounds like, sounds like it's, you know, sim similar things are kind of happening in the, in the European market. I think yeah, it's 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 uh, it's all across the board, and you know, because you got most of the European sellers are smart enough to realise that selling on the US market is a good place to be. Uh, it's the biggest volume market. Again, there's the niches there uh, in terms of operation of deciding mm -hmm. what products you you want to launch as well. And normally, your secondary route is to bring it to to Europe. So you go, okay, well, second biggest market is Germany, but obviously right. English-speaking country being the UK. So they're going to be too key. And then you go, do we launch into France, sleepy Spain, and little Italy? Mm -hmm. You know, and then you start yeah. getting into the logistical nightmares. And then you've got seven lots of VAT to register until Vatmos comes in next year. And so that there are other complications you can spread out wide or you can go in deep and you go into right. the niches into the us that may serve you better than trying to pepper yourself around europe and pushing logistics 
right. in and around the smaller territories to make sure it's worthwhile or not and the, the cross-border fees and etc. Right. And yeah, and if I was a new seller starting on a low budget today, I would go into very, very niche, niche products. I'd rather try to make, you know, 5000 a month of revenue on a product than go into, you know, than go into a market that I that I can't really, you know, uh, com- compete in. Um, wanted to ask you um, um, a little bit on on, you know, you've done now how many how many podcast episodes have you done? to date and and even this year i mean a ton of episodes yeah i mean we we publish four times a week i've got both the ladies on board in isabella hamilton and sharon uh are both on board um i'm just pulling up now because i never put the numbers in but uh mm-hmm. on the website it tracks it's 732 we're up wow to. yeah so we're probably wow. doing if we're doing four four episodes a week roughly 200 episodes a year wow amazing incredible um you know so much work that goes into you know recording and then and then getting them out and getting the guests and you know all, all that um tre- tremendous amount of work I, I don't know i don't know if uh you know everyone can can appreciate that but um what's been you know if you had to if you had to pull out from from this year sort of like um one interview that people should go listen to um you know on seller sessions um that, that they haven't you know one episode that if you haven't heard, you, you're kind of missing out. Uh, is there is there something you can sort of pull out that you would say was, you know, impactful? I think in terms of imp- the more impactful on a social level would have been the stuff from last year when we're doing the Mindset Sundays and Mondays, which mm-hmm. you contributed to a lot. Because mm-hmm. I think people were headspace in a certain place and it really did help them um, stay focused. I mean, we've done a dozen or so together, I think, which... Yeah just on that topic alone i mean you're the most featured person on seller sessions i think you've probably done about 100 episodes yourself but um <laughs> but the yeah so the the mindset shows which i don't do anymore isabella does the mindset shows on, on uh-huh. monday but i think if yep. it depends on in terms of um eye-opening stuff i think one of my favorite recently was the one where i'd done the round table with the aggregators and the one where we had the investment banker on so effectively what happened and i i shut it down straight away after like you don't know how i operate i'm for me i want to see everyone get on and good vibe and everything else so we had someone come from the investment world it literally took a big dump on the aggregators so then i brought the aggregators on next week and then he contacted me said i need to do a rebuttal show i said no 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 we're not doing this bloodthirsty thing for me it's (laughs) like i want people to know look here are all the aggregators they're here to stay but also there's investment banking there's also brokerage it comes down to individualized preferences right so i think what we've got now is that we're kind of getting oh yeah aggregators don't pay enough trust me they're paying a shit ton the multiples are going through the fucking roof honestly um it's it's a buyer's market and i think if you're smart Uh, enough a a seller's market or a buyer's sorry it's a seller's market you can literally within reason write a ticket uh, most people are talking, you know, 2.5 nonsense. They're going up five, six, seven. And these people that are saying they're not paying above 2.53 are lying. They're paying, the reason they're paying more is because they, one, they feel the company's worth it. Two, on the back end, they know that they're going to get a lot more and they might go 15x down the road once they start adding external um, retail and stuff to, as a channel, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and plus, deal flow is getting more and more difficult. Don't matter how big you are, at the end of the day, the sellers want the best deal. 
So right. if someone's going to come along and say, I'll give you 6.5 and the top tier are only going to uh, 4.5 and they're going to miss out on these deals over and over again, they still need to be in the deal flow, right? Yep. So if you're really smart about it as a seller, you're going to go and see everyone and right. you go and get the best deal for yourself. And it's a bit like the currency market. You, you, not so much you, because I don't know if you sold, but, but from the European side to the US side, like there would always be this with all these different currency companies saying, yeah, we're the best and everything else. Right. The reality is that no one cared. What they right. cared about is it is it point three? Is it point two? Is it is point it, one? Am I paying? It, do you know what I mean? They don't care how good your customer service is. There's no loyalty there. You, you can say kind of like a, like a commodity, and and you know I, I kind of a, yeah. agree with that. I mean, ultimately, if you're gonna if you're gonna get eighty percent or ninety percent cash or eighty percent cash on the business, then really it's about the earnout is okay. You know, yes, you want to sell to to a good aggregator that you can get exactly. that earnout. Exactly. If you're gonna you do an earnout, you want to go to somewhere like if you're gonna do an earnout. Go to somewhere like Frasio that has a track record that can prove to you that earnouts work. I've seen it. We sold comp our, our clients have sold companies to them. The earnouts are they're all there as clear as day. If you're dealing with the wet behind the ears, the new aggregators that are desperately to need to spend money because in order to raise again, take their money but take it up front. You got right. to be shrewd as well. At the end of the day, like this, this isn't a kiss and cuddle game. Right. An aggregator is going to value you at a certain amount. You, you know, in life, you don't get what you deserve. You get what you negotiate. Right. Right. So there's no point getting bent out of shape when they said, yeah, but aggregators play lower. No, aggregators are in business. They need to, the reason why they want you to take money on the back end is because they've just raised the war chest and they want to be on more companies. And if they have to give you 5 million in total, effectively, if there was the earn out on the back end, they don't want to give you that 5 million up front. Because if they've got two and a half million there, that means they can go and buy something else. Right. But the upside for the for the back end is that if you've got a track record, there's a good chance that you do well. But if you pick one of these aggregators that are new, that are clueless, got no operational chops and don't even know how to do an account transfer, you're pretty screwed. Right. So you want to get all your money up front. Right. Yeah, no, I I, I, um, I very much agree. And, you know, I've seen, you know, yeah, aggregators who are, you know, I, I've seen some, none of the ones that I'm, I would say more friendly with and, and know, but, um, and, you know, have been on this podcast, I would say, you know, yeah. uh, Thrasio and, and Elevate and, you know, some, yeah. some of the better ones. We're, I think. we're friends, right? You like, we yes. know them deeply, both of us, right? Yes. You're good friends with Elevate brands. I am as well. Good friends yes. with Frasio. Yes. We have relations with them. We're going to have beers with them. They sponsor my events. I've always been transparent about that, but I've also want to speak for the community in the for the basis of the seller. And they know that with me as well. My priority, seller comes first in my yeah, absolutely. mind. Absolutely. You know? and, and, you know, so I've seen some other aggregators kind of saying like, yes, yeah, I'm exclusive you know, with yeah. me kind of thing. I mean, before the person even had a chance to go to anywhere else and negotiate and everything else. And yeah, I would. Mate, I would, I've got a quarter of a million dollars sitting on the table unsigned that I've not touched. Quarter of a million in share options. Mm. From, from I won't say where. I won't say yeah. where it's spread. But yeah, there's a quarter of a million sitting out there and I've not touched it. Because, because I, the deals have got to be, the. if I do touch any of those deals, they've got to be right. right. Because with me doing the awards and everything else, and I want to remain impartial. Right. I've always made it clear to people is like I don't want to be sitting in someone's pocket. Does that make sense? Yes. Or if it lose my platform loses any of its 
um, acceptance or credibility if I'm sitting in someone's pocket. There's a difference between being sponsored by someone and having share options, which may end up being that they're vested. And then by the time you get to year two or three, and that you might be put in a position where they go, oh, you know, your shares are going to be vested very soon. We need you to do this, this and this. And suddenly your morals are going to go out the window because you spent, do you know what I mean? That's the, that's the position. And I've explained this to the aggregators. I never want to be that guy to be in that position, to have that conversation. Yeah. So any any deals I would do with the aggregators will be done transparently and what's going to be beneficial for both parties, which l- leaves me as an independent voice. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's uh, it's super important. And it's good. 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 to You know, to know that there's people in, in the community like that, you know, that are thinking of the. Well, there uh, is a flip know, side. The I know there's. I, I went berserk the other day that I found out there was someone who was going around tapping people up, call them influencers or whatever you want, going around tapping people up, wanting to work for an aggregator to spy on other aggregators and brands. And I went absolutely ballistic at the person. I said, you're nuts. I said, they're going to throw you under the bus. They're bringing you on board. You're impressionable. You've been an idiot. You're young. I don't want to be like plain sunning someone. But I said, this isn't going to come out clean for you. If you go and do stuff like that and and people find out, it will burn your reputation in the industry. You'll so, be banished so, to the back benches. So this the story of one company wanting somebody to go get a job at another one in order to find Not out. Not necessarily a job. You'll be employed to go and spy on sellers and our aggregators and take information back to that aggregator. That was literally the, the, the quote for the job. Obviously, yeah. the people around me they they who knew about it and turned it down. But you, but I just wanted to go to the, speak to the guy and said, "Look, you need to put your head back on straight because this is this is a a bad move on a on a credibility and an ethical level." And I right. said, "If you've got you, no one's going to want to trust you in business yeah. if you go around and, and pull strokes like that." Yeah, my rule is, you know, if. Um... If you have a hesitation, or if it's, you know, if, there, if there's a, if there's a, 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 an ounce of doubt about something being ethical or not, then it's likely not ethical. It, that, exactly. Yeah. yeah. If you uh, have to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, Danny, what what else is what else is kind of coming up, um, coming up for you? I know seller poll probably, be, you know, will, will be coming. Um, yeah. Seller sessions live. Like, what's what's going on in your world that's coming up that people should um, should pay attention to. So we've got Seller Sessions Live finally now, October the 9th. That's been nailed into place. Obviously, you'll mm. be speaking, but from Zoom. Yeah. Um, we're very clear on, on, I've said to everyone, look, people went to Prosper, they got COVID. Please understand that we have to be super, super responsible here. I know that you're uh, you're not traveling for other reasons. Yeah. But there are people that can't travel because they're not double jab like speakers. So we've had to adjust the lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, but just to be clear to everyone, look, we need to the damage that we've had to deal with with COVID uh, from the loss of our loved ones, etc. It's been irreplaceable. There's no words for it. But we also got to look at the collective damage it's done on a psychological level for people to be locked down. That lack of human contact, being in the room with different people. Do you see what I mean? Like that everyday yeah. integration. And, and I think it's really important that we get people together in a safe way. 
right? Yeah. I'm not talking about going berserk and running around kissing and cuddling everyone. I'm talking about look at the environment. We'll get some testing done. You know, we have to expect that someone may get it, but hopefully not from within the conference itself. But we have to, as a nation, as and on a global level, we need to move forward, but do it as safely as possible. I do respect people that are anti-vaxxers, but I have to respect those people that are vaxxed as well. And I've offered everyone an opportunity for refunds if they choose to do so. Yeah, um, to totally understand. By the way, if I if I can tease out sort of uh, you know a reason cool. people should buy should buy tickets is my, my it's sold out. There isn't there isn't oh, no okay. reason to buy tickets. Yeah, um, yeah, it okay. sold out last year, and all we've done is moved over the dates. There may be a few handful of refunds where people can't make October the 9th, etc., or they decide for their own personal reasons they don't want to attend. But yeah, I just want to try and keep it as a a safe environment and, and people have to be responsible for themselves. But I think it's important. We need to move forward as a community as well. And there's a lot of stuff that's gone on in the US and events and there isn't really done anything in the UK or Europe. And so this is really going to be the tester really for, yes. for the Amazon community, you know? Yes. And, and uh, yeah, so I, I was going to tease out maybe to try, try to help with some sales, but I guess it's all that, but I'll, I'll be talking yeah. about um, something like 20 or maybe more ways on how you could use brand analytics to grow your business that you're not using currently. Um, so I think that'll be, I think that'll be interesting in your PPC and in lots of other ways. So uh, yeah. topic. Um, so yeah, looking forward to it and uh, yeah, hopefully to see you, you know, at uh, some point it's been kind of a crazy, uh, you know, great crazy year, obviously, but um, awesome to have you on uh, Danny really appreciate it. And um yeah, look forward to, uh, you know, make sure people check out, obviously, everything you do, Seller Sessions, uh, podcasts, so so much good content on there, uh, as well as the other, you. you know, uh, the other pieces branded by women and uh, Seller Poll, and then, of course, your your ad agency, uh, Data Brill. So um, yeah. thanks so much, uh, Danny, for, for coming on, and um, uh, go, go check out the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the show. If you have a suggestion for a great guest for the show, please send me a DM and I will see you on the next episode of the podcast.